Okay, welcome back to Fastship Performance then. My name's Tim Davies and I thought I'd put out a bit of a podcast today to help some people who are going up to uh, the Officer Air Crew Selection Centre and some other places really uh, over the next few weeks to uh, see whether they can find their place in the uh, the Royal Air Force. And they've sent me a few emails and so I thought I'd quickly do a podcast and talk to them about a few things. And what we're going to concentrate on today are the standards of the Royal Air Force really. And one of those standards is excellence and the reason this is so important to me at the moment is because i had a team of guys in doing the driveway of my house and they promised me the world and then they failed to deliver and what was interesting was i don't really mind that i don't really mind the failing to deliver bit i I mind the promising the world bit i think we all can sympathize with that a little bit because i even said to them look guys if you can't do this just tell me you know i can even help you out i can do a lot of work first for you i can do a lot of preparing the groundwork getting some materials in no they said we will get it done. Um, fine. And they didn't. They, uh, they they made it worse than it ever was. And so, of course, I'm not paying them until they get it right. In fact, they've come around over the last couple of days. They have made it right. And, of course, I'm now going to pay them. But there's this kind of conversation that we're having about, you know, why, why did they do it that way in the first place? Why did they not do it this way? That would have saved them all the hassle. And really what I'm getting at here, of course, is excellence and the fact that I probably require excellence because of the job I've done over the last 20 years. And I've worked for people who also require that level. Um, and really, it's not even if it's not excellence that we're requiring, it's the, the tending to excellence. So the attempt at excellence or doing the best job you could. And that got me thinking, really, about what's called Air Publication 1, which is a document that the, uh, the Royal Air Force put out. And that document is its ethos, core values and standards. You can find it online, really. Just type Air AP1 or Air Publication 1, and you can have a great read. It's um, it's not very long, actually. It doesn't have page numbers. Why would it, of course? It's only probably about 20 pages long, but it's worth a read, especially if you're going to go to things such as the Officer Air Crew Selection Centre and you're going to attempt to get into the Royal Air Force. They're probably going to ask you about this document, to be honest. Um, it is the foundation, and we all know it. We've all seen it through training. Uh, I've been here for 20 years now. People um, I used to have a guy in the squadron who programmed me, a sergeant, and he used to leave this on my desk. Uh, because he was very much into this and, I, and, and of course we all are as well however um it, obviously it, it, it's 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 relevant um when you're flying fast jets upside down it, it is still relevant there's just a lot of other things to concentrate on so he used to put it on my desk and say don't forget ap1 and he's absolutely right of course now what does it talk about well it actually talks about a few things it talks about the core values of the royal air force which are four things four core values it makes up the word rise Okay, R-I-S-E, and that RISE stands for Respect, Integrity, Service, and Excellence. And I'm just going to cover those now, really, about how I define them, really, with what I do with the flying that I'm doing, or stepping back from now, in fact, because I'm working more on the uh, United Kingdom Military Flying Training System project uh, sort of team work that I'm doing, so I'm stepping more out of the cockpit than I ever have before. So I'm just going to talk about what they kind of mean really in um, a kind of an everyday context as opposed to the frontline military context, which I'm sure we can understand why those things are all relevant. And interesting, you sometimes hear people joking about rise and, th- and this kind of thing. And I'll tell you what, when you're in theatre, uh, which means on operations, of course, and you're armed uh, with other people around you, you're also armed and you're working as a team, these things are actually very, very relevant. 
Uh, they just are. It's it, and, and people can laugh and everything, but then people need to go and do some operational time out in the theatre and, and uh, come back and tell me that these things weren't important to them out there. Um, they're important to all services, of course. That every service has their own sort of definitions, really. These are ours in the Royal Air Force, so the core values that we uh, tend to uphold. And we're going to talk a little bit about these now. And before we start then, I'm just going to bring in a quote from Steve Jobs because Steve Jobs uh, once said, uh, be a yardstick of quality. Some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. And that's very relevant really with the work that I'm doing today with various contractors spread all across um, the United Kingdom military flying training system. And one thing that is frustrating from a service side, and we're not whiter than white here by all means, but it's that you know, I will be in the office late in the evening or I will be in work early and, and maybe let's just say some contractors and there are there are a lot of contractors out there. But of course, you don't see that same kind of contribution and, and rightly say so on their part, because, you know, you don't know how much they're getting paid, for example. And when you leave the military, it does come down about remuneration, doesn't it? We have to understand that our time is, uh, you know, not time needs to be remunerated else we'll be doing stuff for free. And that's that's, um, that's no good. I'm just saying there's a bit of a difference there. And of course, when I push for excellence, that isn't necessarily what other people are going to do. Fine. However, um, we'll come back to Steve Jobs a bit in a minute. We'll come back to him in a minute. So what is the ethos then of the Royal Air Force? Um, well, the, the actual AP1 here, this book says that it's the distinctive character, spirit and attitude that is necessary to pull together as a team um, in order to deliver the air power, no matter um, the challenges or the environment. So it kind of defines that very early on in the document. We're not going to go through the whole document, really, but we will talk about these four core values. If we literally jump straight on to the first one, which, as I said, was respect, what does that actually mean? Well, it means mutual and self-respect. And this can actually be quite important because when, you, when the respect breaks down for the person or the people you're working with, then, of course, you don't have a cohesive unit. If you want a definition of that, by the way, Go online and have a look at what's happened to the United States Air Force at the moment, where there are some very fractious relationships within that. I do come, sometimes comment on um, some posts that I see come up on social. And one of the things I see a lot is people talking about the term nonners. Now, I've kind of spoken to some of my guys over there about what this kind of means. But a nonner, as far as I can gather, and that's um, N-O-N-N-E-R-S, I think, N-O-N-N-E-R-S, a nonner is in effect a non-combatant. It will be someone that we, we would say is in the rear echelon, is, is in the, uh, it's not a teeth arm. So in the Royal Air Force, of course, we're a bit unusual because we send our officers to war traditionally insofar as we send them in aeroplanes. Nowadays, we tend to send the entire of the Air Force to war with the regiment and everyone else. Everyone is on the front line pretty much. So in the United States Air Force, I guess really there's some, um, some, uh, some, some difficult relationships because they see a lot of the people... Uh, not contributing so they're, they're, they think because if you're not a maintainer of an aircraft or you're not a pilot of an aircraft then you're a, this non thing so you're a non-combatant a non-contributor and what happens is they they tend to have this kind of war with each other it seems at the moment and there's a bit of a flame war going on and we don't believe in that in the Royal Air Force uh, at all uh, and if we do or we see it we tend to stamp on it I mean you might do it in jest a little bit but again in jest these things said in jest of course sometimes uh, are actually meant so we do stamp on that a lot and we realize that everyone is there and fighting the same fight and that makes the, the air force itself as a military very powerful you see because everyone is invested does that make sense everyone is invested in the one fight that we're going for so 
When we talk about respect then, uh, it says here that it's more than just loyalty to the, the crown itself or, or your superior subordinates or your comrades. It's respect for others and it's a sense of pride. It talks about duty. Um, it says there's no place for prejudice or unlawful discrimination, uh, which we've seen in the press recently, haven't we, with those soldiers um, who uh, are being done, I believe, for being part of a, um, a, a group that was uh, involved in racial sort of stuff, you know, anti stuff. I think they're like a neo-Nazi group, or whatever. I think some soldiers were involved in that, which is ridiculous, of course, and that would have no place in, in the modern military in the United Kingdom, um, which is obviously why they're in a court of law now, um, answering uh, about their behaviour. So that was in the press. Uh, so we've got two, self-respect and mutual respect. Self-respect really um, is talking about integrity. It's talking about dignity, um, valuing yourself as a professional and as a human being. And, and this goes on really to talk about things like drugs and alcohol and and this sort of stuff. Mutual respect is is about the mutual respect for those above you and those beneath you in the chain, uh, the hierarchy, uh, those of different gender, uh, sexual orientation, social backgrounds, all that kind of stuff, which we understand. Uh, also has respect for the enemy. And I always say when, when, you, when you tip into a fight uh, that we do normally in, in combat jets, there is one thing uh, that everyone in that fight has, and that is respect for the other person, whether they're a uh, friend you're working with, um, whether they're the enemy, you have a respect for the other aircraft that you're engaged with. And if you don't have respect for that, you'll soon be shot down and killed. So respect, really, especially self-respect. And I know that's something in today that's not always um, easy to get. There's a lot of things on social that we all engage with, where especially Insta or, or Snap, whatever you're using, where there's everyone else there having a great life. And your life, in comparison, is probably not that great. Okay, fine, we know it's not real, but the more you look at it and the more you go and follow the Kardashians or wherever it might be, the more, of course, you are um, disrespecting yourself in effect. You just need to maybe not invest so much in other people's lives and invest more in your life. I'm not having a lesson here. I'm just saying this is how the respect here in AP1 is uh, is defined. Um, okay, obviously it says not to bring service in disrepute, et cetera, et cetera. We get that. Thank you. AP1, happy. That is about respect then. So the second bit. And we can apply these into the workplace that I'm in at the moment. So when it comes down to respect, I respect the people that I work with who are on the services side, as it were. But I also respect people in the contracted side. A lot of people in the contracted side, there's some very intelligent people there working very hard. And a lot of them are ex-military themselves. So what I tend to do is I tend to build relationships with those contractors. And that means that they have my mobile phone number. They can call me night and day, anytime. I'll help them out with problems. Sometimes, I'll tell you what I do, I'll give them information that I probably shouldn't have given them. I'll give them a little couple of things, knowing that when push comes to shove, they're going to give me some information that they probably shouldn't give me either. We're not going to go and put the information out to anyone else, but it helps each other get the work done. It kind of binds us together a little bit. We both share that kind of like, maybe we shouldn't have done that type thing um, we're both invested uh, in what we're doing and therefore we can all work together and that's how you you uh, bond that's how you get relationships working in that kind of environment right integrity then we're talking about now and this is really uh, how i define it is the courage to do um the courage, courage to do the right thing when no one else is looking ap1 says it's, uh, it's the courage to do what is right in all circumstances mm, kind of throwing it out there really yeah i get what it's saying there i think personally Integrity is really about being honest um, to yourself, being true to yourself. And the interesting thing about integrity is when you are true to yourself, when you really know that you've done the best thing for you, there's this sense of calm you get. There's this real kind of, um, you know, it's interesting, really. You have to kind of work out what it is. But 
you don't have to worry about how you look, say, at a party or anything, because you know that you've worked out, you know you're eating healthy, you're getting some good sleep, you're hydrated, all that kind of stuff. You're not too worried about how other people feel about you because you feel great about yourself. Integrity is, is that, but they break it down even further because AP1 is great like that. So it says integrity has another little four sections here. It says moral courage, honesty, responsibility, justice. I'm not going to go and break all these four things out, but... You know, let's have a think about um, as a whole, really. We're talking about the self. Integrity is about being honest. It's not leaving a job half done. Or if you have to leave a job half done, you tell someone about that job. Now, when I was in flying training, something interesting happened to me. There was a guy who went flying in an airplane. that I I took an airplane flying. And uh, when I landed, um, I was on a solo. I was on a, I think it was a Firefly I was on. So a propeller airplane, light piston airplane. And I went on a solo. Uh, obviously, we're all very scared and we're flying solo. We're like, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we land. I came back in. I'm alive. I'm alive. And a guy came up to me and he said, hey, uh, how, how, was the, uh, how was your solo? This was another student. And I said, yeah, yeah, it's good. And he said, but you were in this airplane, weren't you? And he mentioned the tail number of the airplane. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I was. He said, you didn't think nothing was wrong with the airplane? And I, I said, no, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. And he said, oh, all right, because I overstressed the flaps on the last, um, the last sortie I did with the airplane before you took it. And, you know, I really overstressed them really, really badly. So I'm just, as long as you don't think anything's wrong with it, then let's not say anything, right? Now, that's not what integrity is about, is it? As I'm sure you can understand. And at the time, I didn't really realise. I was like, all right, bro, let's not do anything. It's all good. But obviously, as we get a bit older, we realise that's the wrong thing to do. My friend was worried that he would get into trouble if he came back from his trip and having overstressed the flaps or part of the aircraft. Well, that's when you take it too fast, in effect. Um, and you might damage it. He should have come back and put his hands up and said, I've made a mistake. Of course, what would have happened? He'd have probably failed that trip, have to redo it, all that kind of stuff going on. So he hit it. He let me fly the airplane unknowingly and then check whether it was all right. Of course, if he had damaged it, I could have got airborne and the flaps may have deformed and not worked and I could have crashed and died or whatever. So that's not what integrity is about. And we install that as we go through flying training, and as we go through um, the stages of all our careers, we will see examples of where people aren't displaying integrity, and we will highlight those examples to each other. And we also highlight those examples to ourselves. So people may say uh, after a sortie, um, whenever we come back from a flight, we always, the first thing we say is, um, is safety, any safety points, and we do that the moment we walk in the door, any safety points. And it's the opportunity for everyone to put their hand up and say, I made a mistake, and then learn from it. And that gets passed back on the what we call the ops desk, the operations desk, to the authoriser at the day, and then he can say, okay, that is a problem for the entire squadron, or no, that's fine, in-house, formation, safety issues, go and chat about it, guys, sort it out in the room by themselves. But it's about being honest when you come back. Um, what I really like is um, uh, we've had some great guys on the squadron, on four squadron, and uh, we had a, a French pilot who was a very, very talented French guy, um, Really, really, I think he's a Mirage guy, and he stood up once and said, I've made this mistake. And that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing I do. I stand in front of everyone and say, guys, I made a mistake. Everyone does that now. It really kind of shows that it doesn't matter how experienced you are uh, as a pilot. Um, you will make mistakes. Just be honest about them. Everyone can learn. Everyone can move on. Difficult when you're young, of course, until you understand that that's the best thing to do for your, your character. But one of those things, moral courage, honesty, responsibility, justice. Brilliant. Let's, uh, and justice is quite important because, of course, you might think, oh, if you admit to doing something wrong, then you're going to get into trouble. That's not necessarily the case. We have a just culture in the Air Force, but it doesn't mean it's blame-free. That's probably for another podcast. Um, 
but what we're saying is if you come back and you've done something malicious, yeah, of course you're going to be into trouble. But if you've done something that's just a mistake, uh, let's discover why that's been the case. So that's what integrity is about, is being honest with each other and honest, more importantly, with yourself. Good stuff. Last two then. Service is uh, the second to last one then. What does service mean? It says here that service is an act of selfless commitment. It doesn't really mean that much to me, to be honest. Um, but it does say the military life is one of service to the nation. Yes, of course. Um, of course, you'd expect that loyalty to be two-way, though, in my eyes. It does say service incorporates the values of loyalty, commitment, teamwork. Uh, it might ultimately be about dying for others, rather than not personally. Service takes considerable physical courage. Uh, yes, it does, actually. Um, and physical courage is one of the sub-genres of service here. One, two, three, four little sub-genres. So it says physical courage, loyalty, commitment and teamwork which is all really important so if you're going to go to um, one of these uh, selection boards have a think about these four really important physical courage um, you've got to be able to deliver air power it says here absolutely and you've got to be fit enough to do so that's what makes you different from the civilian population in which you serve get out there hit the streets be a warrior um, lift big weights uh, and, and make sure you do that it'll make you better as a person loyalty obviously you need to be loyal to the crown loyal to each other um, and it is expected. It's earned through self-sacrifice and commitment, everything else. Commitment, it works in two ways, it says here. Um, what does it say? Yeah, so obviously you have to give a nose to the Queen. Fine, we're all happy to do that. And of course, I think what it's saying here really is um, we, uh, it's individual and team commitment, in, in effect, is what it's saying there. And of course, but we do expect this in the military to be reciprocated by uh, being paid fairly. Uh, and that's a whole other podcast. I think I've spoken this about before one of the reasons i'm leaving the service after 20 years is because from 2010 to 2012 we had a pay freeze and then from 2012 there's been a one percent pay increase which has been below inflation and personally um i just think i'm worth more that's that's it and i'm, I'm quite open about that i think i'm worth more uh, so i'm going to leave and do something else and i've done 20 years if i'd done 10 it'd be a little bit different but i've done 20 but um commitment yeah how much commitment do you give so if i had read into rise completely and i'd got to that commitment bit um, you must be committed to the service, it says here. I'm like, yeah, well, how, how long for? Because I've done 20 years. Can I still can I leave now? So, um, yeah, I'm happy that I've done my commitment. Uh, a lot of guys in the Army do three years. Uh, the Navy, 12, the Air Force, 12 or 18. Uh, I think it's 18 now. Is it 20? It might be 20 years now. So, uh, but you can leave at any time. Just get in there, get the job done. Teamwork is the last one then. And this is essential in every area of our activity. Teamwork means working in harmony with every member of a service with other services, civil servants and contractors, which is what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. Good. Um, so we understand the power of teamwork. That's service. And the last one we're going to talk about, we don't want to drag this out too long, but that is excellence. We started with Steve Jobs, didn't we? Let's go back to Big Steve, really, and let's um, talk about the time he decided to pretty much halt all iPhone production. I think it was on the first iPhone when he'd been carrying around a production model in his pocket and uh, he realized that the screen was getting scratched and so what he said he came back to the people that he was leading at apple um i think this is back in 2007 really and he said he got a senior team together and he said right i'm carrying this phone around for a few weeks um he pulled it out of his pocket he pointed to the the scratches all over the plastic screen he said this is not good enough he said people are going to carry their phones in their pockets um they're going to carry other things like keys and everything else um, he's going to scratch the screen. So they're about to ramp up production of the iPhone. And all of a sudden, Steve said, me and Steve, first name terms, obviously. Uh, he said, um, 
I want these plastic screens replaced with uh, unscratchable glass. Now, you can imagine all of a sudden things about to ramp up to produce this. And everyone said, uh, I, I don't think we can do that. And he said, I want a glass screen and I want it perfect in six weeks. I mean, that, that's crazy talk. So what happened really was that they were going to get glass from an American company, uh, but they were going to have to produce this. They couldn't produce the volume of glass they required in America. So they went to Shenzhen province. If you haven't heard of that, it's in China. Have a look on YouTube. There's a whole film about Shenzhen. It's fascinating about what the Chinese are doing. And they said um, they, they got the Chinese to bid for the work. And one of the Chinese companies actually started building a factory before they'd even won the contract. They, they knew how important this was to Apple. They knew what was required. They went and started building the, um, the, the factory straight away. Um, the company provided Apple with a team of cheap engineers uh, and a massive space for Apple to work. Um, they got some glass together and they started really knocking some of these things out. And they said, look, we're available 24 hours a day to help you get this glass done for your, for your screen. So uh, Apple hired the company to cut the glass for the screens. And after a month of experimentation, the engineers sort of figured out how to do it, really. And they sent all the glass down to China. Um, they arrived in the middle of the night and they, the Chinese woke up loads of workers and they started building the glass for the iPhones that night. That's what they did. Three months later, Apple sold one million iPhones. And uh, about four years after that date, they'd sold about 200 million. So when the executives, well, the Apple executives said that they could have never have done this in America. It was not possible. It would have taken nine months in America, whereas in China, it took just 15 days. And that's all to do with the fact that Steve Jobs refused to compromise. He said, um, as we said, when you go back to the excellent quotes, some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. And I think that's that's really valuable because to me, that's exactly how it was in my driveway. I expected these guys to come in promising the world to do a great job. And you'd come back and you see they did some brickwork. You'd see bricks, just gaps between bricks. I mean, ridiculous stuff. And I'm not, okay, I'm obviously OCD because I fly planes and everyone that has a professional job like lawyers and doctors have an OCD element about them. But this was not acceptable. I come back, I look at this thing and think if I was the guy who laid these bricks, I'd be embarrassed, right? I, this I just could not, what is happening here? Called them back in, sure, I'm going to pay you guys when you knock that down and rebuild it. Um, and actually, the guy leading the whole thing agreed that was poor work and he um, grabbed the guy who did it, who was slightly embarrassed about it, and he, they redid the whole thing. Fine. You've got to accept some stuff. Uh, what I should have done, of course, is learn that skill and done it myself. But, you know, uh, we are busy. So that was, um, yeah, we talked about excellence for the last one. Uh, about Steve Jobs really here it just talks about personal excellence discipline and pride and really going into that I think we've really covered the excellence bit haven't we really um, it says here must manage risk and understand consequence and effects we must have the courage to take calculated risks um, and what does it say uh, every member of the Royal Air Force must strive to achieve and maintain the highest professional and personal standards thereby enhancing both the competence and cohesion of the service um, discipline that's pretty much squared away i think and obviously pride so take pride in yourself take pride in the service comes down at the bottom of the document really just talks about standards it talks about quality and diversity it talks about your own personal behavior and um, i think i've spoken before about how i fell into a bit of an alcoholic vortex uh, as i was on a struggling to remain competency on a squadron um and i haven't drunk anything now for about 10 months not saying i won't again i'm sure i will but at the moment having a bit of a year off really which is uh, beneficial it does talk about alcohol here it does talk about financial management it also talks about speaking to the public and uh, using media i'll read this out actually because it might give you an idea about why i do 
what I do here. It says the Royal Air Force is held in high regard by the British public and has an enviable reputation worldwide. We should all take pride in this hard-earned reputation and it, it is incumbent on us all to help others understand what we do, how we do it and the success we achieve. Success, however, will depend on everyone in the Royal Air Force playing their part. By engaging with the media and also speaking at public gatherings such as conferences, we can help tell the Royal Air Force's story. Now, I do that. I did speak last uh, week at a conference, um, at a company, sorry, at a lunchtime company gig for about an hour. I spoke about the fragility of self. I spoke about mental health. I spoke about alcoholism. I spoke about um, personal excellence and performance and uh, mental health issues whilst operating at significant high levels and what that can do. Uh, I will say this as I end this now, um, by all means, if you do want me to come and speak to you somewhere, give me a call. If I can do it, if you're a public body, then I will try and do that for free. I'll come and speak to you for free. Elsewhere, I'll probably have to charge a small fee because I do need to take time out of this job to come and speak to you. That's leave. I never get that back. Um, but I do come and speak about these things uh, if you need me to. Right, that was AP1. That is excellence then. Um, and uh, so don't. what I'm trying to say is with excellence, really, and, and with uh, the necessity for excellence, don't try and compromise. Uh, remember what Steve Jobs said, some people aren't used to an environment where excellence is expected. Well, you can get them used to that. You can get them used to that by being the person that performs above, uh, over and above what is expected of you. So really try and under-promise and over-deliver, if that makes sense to you, okay? People will want you to come back. And also don't think that um, when you leave work at five, I know no one really notices and it's absolutely fine. I'm not saying stay late than five. I mean, go at three o'clock if you want to. No one can care less. But the job you put in has to determine, has to dictate the fact that you are... You, know, you are trying to strive for that kind of excellence that um, you expect of yourself. That's the thing. If you can't persuade other people, let's try and start persuading ourselves. Right, Tim Davies, um, thanks for listening. Fast Performance. 